listening to the Medic Materials Podcast, hosted by Mike Turek, Emily Yates, Kelsey Coons, and Gerard Cuomo. All are current EMS providers and educators with a combined 30 years experience. Each month, we discuss EMS news, medical science, and review actual EMS calls, bringing many educational opportunities to the listener. Portions of the calls have been altered to protect the privacy and identity of all involved. Welcome, everyone, back to the Medic Materials Podcast. I am sitting here with Emily and Kelsey. You're on Skype, and we got to bring in our favorite person. Kelly Kelly, 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 Kelly. Kelly is here today. So Kelly gets her own theme song, and she got a shout-out the other day, too. Um, I sent you guys that. Um, one of the uh, one of the Instagram posts got a like a, a message comment on under it saying, "Hey, you know, thank you for everything that you guys do. This, that, the other thing, including Kelly. Yes, Kelly. And I was like, Kelly got her first shout out. My That's girl. awesome. <laughs> and uh, you know, if you listened to the Patreon episode uh, last month on the twenty third, you might have heard a short term voice from Ariel, local paramedic that works with all of us, and uh, then she had to run off and do." paramagician work rude. but yeah rude you do your job oh, right what? so we strong-armed her and got her into the uh the bunker to where you can't run away so welcome ariel you're trying hey, hey. <laughs> um but uh but yeah so it's really cool to have you here in the fact that you're not just a, a paramedic that we work with and the black cloud of everybody <laughs> minus gerard so true um but you're also a fan of the show which is really cool so you know i i've had messages where there's fans of this show that are like i really want to get on it and here is point yes. proven that it. it can yes, happen it happens um it does happen <laughs> so um we're gonna do a call review today and um i'm gonna warn everybody that i picked a really really good one Solely because I wanted to see Ariel struggle through it. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> That's um, so mean. I know. Well, I'm a mean human being. Um, so I can't lie. That takes some of the heat off of me. So I'm kind of excited. Well, actually, there's a couple <laughs> questions that I wrote that's in my notes. Kelsey's going to answer this. So, <laughs> Oh, well, that's extra mean. Yep, yep. So I was all sorts of extra. I have you know, faith in Ariel. Me too. So, I don't think uh, she's not going to get it. I agree. I, I think she'll be just fine, but I wanted to infuse her black cloudness with the ridiculousness oh of this call. <laughs> because I feel like if anyone is going to get this call out in the field, it's Gerard or Ariel. Oh, it's yeah. not me. It's not you. Nope. It's definitely not Kelsey. It's those two. I'm a white cloud. Exactly. Like, it just, it is what it is. So, um, Kelsey, let's go to your rig check, and then uh, we will start this. So guys, this week we've got pretty exciting news. There is a new YouTube channel exclusively for the podcast. So there will be no further episodes uploaded of the podcast to the main channel. And going forward, if you want to listen to the podcast, you will have to utilize the second channel. The link is going to be in the subscription below, um, as well as in the link tree that we always have on the description of anything that we post. This does not mean that any of our other platforms are changing and there is still going to be Friday YouTube videos. Now it's just going to be easier to access the podcast and all episodes can be easily found on one channel. So I'm going to interrupt. If you want. I'm just going to okay. interrupt really quick and okay. just say why I did that. Um, so I ended up finding out after doing a lot of reading and research that podcasts on YouTube channels actually hurt 
the algorithm. So people were not finding medic materials and the viewership was hurting because I was uploading podcasts and short videos. So I did it as a strategic move so more people would be able to find our main channel and then all of the long version podcasts will go to the long version podcast channel. That's the only thing that will ever get posted on the second channel. It is solely for the podcast. And like Kelsey said, none of the other platforms are changing. So if you listen on your phone, on Apple, nothing changes. It's just for the, like, the 12 people that watch on YouTube. Because there is. There is a following Hey, that's on my dad. That, that my watch dad. those. Dad, exactly. get Spotify. Jesus. <laughs> Come on. So, yeah. So that's, that's why the change is occurring, so... Uh, hopefully it'll it'll work out and again grow the the main channel. So continue, Kelsey. I'm sorry. I just had to break in and, and explain. <laughs> if you guys want access to the extra podcast not available on the YouTube page or your streaming platform, make sure you subscribe to Patreon. We've been w- wanting to do an audio and video podcast for a while. Um, so all those times that we're like, oh, we really wish you could see like especially Gerard's facial expressions. <laughs> Seriously. Um, that we constantly joke about. If we can get 50 active Patreon supporters, we'll finally be able to give you a video and audio podcast, which I think would just be pretty funny. Um, That's horrifying. Why? Yeah, especially with the facial reactions we make. I'm going to have to not show up in, like, pajamas, though, for that. Nope, still happening. (laughs) (laughs) And then today we're going to shout out our newest listeners in Ghana and our oldest fan base right here in New York. So thank you to all who have supported us from the beginning and those who continue to join the Medic Materials family every day. You guys are rock stars. You're going to look great on camera. No. No. I'm going to design it something that goes over this just to block me. No. Can we, can we just get like the fat head? Nope. I want to know. I want to know how Kelly's going to be over, you know, how she's going to be able to deal with video because she's a very private person. She'll surprise you. Just she wait. probably will. She'll surprise you. You know, I don't. She know. always does. She does. She's going to have great things to say I in Gerard's seat today. I know. No so, pressure. <laughs> so uh, getting into it, the uh, the system that this call takes place in is a medium-sized city, which is covered by a uh, private city ambulance service who staffs their trucks with one EMT basic and one paramagician. Uh, your local hospitals, there's one community hospital two minutes away from the scene. And there's one uh, medical trauma center approximately 45 minutes away from this scene. Um, You guys are dispatched to a priority one or a Delta priority for a two-car MVA with entrapment. Uh, The city fire department and police are also dispatched to the scene. So um, we've talked a lot about entrapment and extrications uh, prior on this show. For those that listen regularly, um, go back, listen to episode 19, um, which was phenomenal. Uh, she jumped it and crushed the landing. One of my favorite episodes. <laughs> um, and all the way back, please don't listen to this one because the audio is awful and it's like, I just can't listen to it. But our first episode calls are bigger than our patients, both of which were heavy in extrication. Um, but with this sort of like generic dispatch information, what are you guys already thinking? Like getting until you get a update from the scene, if you get an update at all. Time out. First yes. of all, you told me I was going to be on camera. My heart rate jumped to 110. My watch just told me. <laughs> Second of all. Damn! <laughs> Second of all, how come EMTs can't be like EMT badass and paramagician? Why are we just EMTBs and paramagicians? 
because you you sit there and go, well, I'm just an e- a part-time EMT. Part-time EMT badass, thank you. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. uh-huh. I have to add that last part. <laughs> Come on. All right, I will make a note. Okay. And I will revise. I was distracted by my time. heart rate. What hospitals are in the area? <laughs> there is a uh, a local community hospital two minutes away from the scene. Two minutes. Okay. Yep. And uh, a medical trauma center forty five minutes away from the scene. Okay. Continue. I was I was asking what are <laughs> what are you guys you know like what are your thoughts with generic dispatch informations for like MVAs with entrapment? There's no update. Like what is already going <clears throat> through your head? If uh, if there's going to be a prolonged extrication time, because Seriously. I want to get on the phone and call for a helicopter if it's necessary and there's a prolonged extrication. I will say, though, one thing, too, is, like, bystanders are god-awful at calling in car accidents. Damn skippy there. Horrendous. Agreed. Because you get dispatched. I mean, 90% of your Delta Priority or Priority 1 car accidents are a fender bender in a traffic circle. <laughs> But your, you know, Bravo or Priority 3 are, like, dead Limbs hanging. Are hanging yeah. yeah, so I don't understand. Our dispatch does a great job, especially where we are. But they can only work with what they got. Right. And the information they get is horrid. Yes. So I, like, I'm thinking the worst and hoping for the best. Yeah. But I really want to get on scene and see what I'm working and it's, with. And it's almost like, you know, I go in with the same mentality for, like, rollovers. Rollovers, there's no middle ground. Yeah. It's either they're All fine and they're walking and they yeah. have no scratches, or they're dead. Like, yeah. there's no middle ground. But, yeah, I, I do agree that that is kind of where you have to go and just hope you get an update. Yeah. PD, FD, who cares who gives it? Just Someone. hope that somebody gives right. it. Um, I feel like I always think of, like, the weird things. Like, what's the weather out right now? Like, is it going to be one of those things that I'm, like, fighting against the snow and the rain and I don't want to be? like outside and it's going to be the most painful entrapment or is it a nice sunny day or am I thinking about like do I know these firefighters that are on scene and it's not going to be a hassle to work with them are they a really great volunteer fire department that's got EMTs that I can trust Mm -hmm. I feel like I think about like the really weird things that like and I don't because even, I'm not on scene, I don't know what I'm looking at, so I'm going to run through the oddball things that I can think of. I don't think it's weird. I, no, think, I think it's, it's actually relevant. really good. Yeah, <laughs> Like, more of us should think about that, because yeah. I'll be sure, like, I'll look and be like, oh, shit, it's snowing. This is going to suck. It's going to be cold. Right. Like, right. I don't think, like, oh, what's the snow going to do to this? Right. Like, I don't think about that. Right, and the you weather. Know? I mean, if the weather's bad, that does change things, because if, you know, your patient does need that helicopter... Right. They might not be able to fly, so you right. are going to have to beat feet if you got to get them to the trauma the trauma right. center. Yeah, right. Yep. So um, the uh, the crew arrives on scene. Fire department is already there and beginning to set up their operations. the uh, The crew finds two vehicles at an intersection that had a T bone like impact. Uh, the first vehicle is a mid size SUV with heavy front end damage, which is still like attached to the second vehicle. Um, the, uh, the second vehicle is a four-door sedan found set against a light pole on the driver's door with significant damage on the passenger side as that's where the first vehicle is still parked, right? <laughs> they're, still, they're still touching. Um, the paramedic finds the fire captain who's in charge of the scene um, and asks for an updated patient and scene information. And the, uh, the captain tells the medic that... It's reported by witnesses that uh, vehicle one, which is the SUV, uh, came through the intersection at a high rate of speed, like 60, 65 or more, Um, struck the sedan in a T-bone-like fashion and then pushed the vehicle across the intersection into the pole where they are now. 
Um, there is an estimated three to three and a half foot intrusion into the passenger compartment of the sedan with dashboard deformity. Uh, there is one female occupant in the sedan and one male occupant in the SUV. The fire captain tells the medic that they have not yet checked on the patients fully, but the female appears to be in significant distress. The firemen are setting up for extrication of the female from the sedan. So, um, before we get into like meeting patients and see what, you know, I'm giving you with this call, what are your thoughts with what the fire captain just told you? Are you thinking like anything in your head that now you weren't before or like, you know, now is the time to call those resources that you guys wanted? Like, where are your thoughts now before we even see patients? Well, he's got the... Well done, Ariel. He said I was going to say, you're turning into wow. Gerard. Okay, well done. Like, damn. Oh. He said, uh, Kelly it's because she did her internship with him. <laughs> yeah, Kelly was is. ready, okay? She was. <laughs> um, you said there's there some dashboard deformity. Yes. So right there... I'm already kind of thinking that this is probably going to be a prolonged extrication. And the fact that the driver's door is up against the pole. Yes. And the other car is still attached. So this is this is going to take a little bit. And like, what, where are they getting her out of? Right. Back. And right. how are they the pulling the back? How yeah. are they pulling the cars apart? Right. Or do they even pull the car apart at this point in time? Right. You know, leave that for the tow truck. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think you it's would It's been a long time since to. I've been a firefighter. Like, right. no one's on fire. Nobody's Never smoking. Was, but... You know, well, you take her out the back. You could take her out the back, but they can also cut the roof off. Yes. Yep. Okay. One time I experienced that and I almost got my hand cut off because I was stuck inside a bug with the patient. Not cool. No. <laughs> no. Well, yes, because unfortunately, like, there is usually one person in the car mm-hmm. holding mm-hmm. <laughs> stabilization. Yep. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. So, yeah, it, it does present a lot of but uh, thought I, process. That's here. a good point, though, because, like, you guys have fire experience. I have none. Mm hmm. I'm terrified of fire trucks. Don't even talk to me about it. But that, like, you... I'll never... (laughs) That is almost unfathomable as the Puerto Rican who doesn't speak Spanish. For the record, (laughs) there was a patient in the hospital that got hit by a fire truck, and I was like, this is my worst nightmare. (laughs) Anyways, use your resources. I have no idea the capabilities that they have. Get a firefighter and be like, how do we do this? You're the experts at... Pulling the car apart. I am the expert at patient care. Right. So delineate that. Like, I'm not going to sit there and try and decide how we're going to get this car apart. Right. It's not my job. I have no fucking clue. Right. No. And having, like, good effective communication with them is, like, very important. Yes. Right. And I know a lot of EMS providers want to come in and be like, this is my scene. No. You you control one half. They control one half. You have to have those halves working in synergy to be able to work. And like in reality, you need to be synergistic with fire, police, and EMS. The three are equal levels on a on a car accident. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Kelsey, do you have anything? I feel like in my head, I mean, I want to know what's going on with the patient. I understand, you know, scene safety is even stable enough for you know me to get in there and see something, or is it you know? is my usual Thursday night partner also a volunteer firefighter at this? And I can trust what they're going to say, because at this point, do you, do I, I mean, they're way better at moving things. Just like Emily, I have no idea how we're going to get them out. I really don't care as long as it doesn't cause any harm, but do they know enough to talk to the patient and figure out what's going on to see if we can even safely get them out before doing stuff before we have to move them. We're just going to airlift the car. I, I, mean, I also think, though, that would be that, a like, cool would thing. Be like, awesome. Fucking <laughs> hands are clean. Airlift Go. the goddamn car. Yep. <laughs> I think that one of my priorities as well is, like, 
whether the car is stable or unstable and like whether I can get in there or not, I need to talk to that patient to make damn sure that she is the only person in that car. Yep. And the same with the other one. There is a high enough mechanism here. Who knows what could have happened? Right. I yep. want to make sure that there's truly only two patients. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think also... If there's only one ambulance dispatched, we should probably call for a second ambulance for the other patient. Probably. Right? Right. Just Typically, you're not going to, you know, transport two people. Right. From different cars. From Just different cars impact, in the same truck. Even though we haven't talked to him yet, I think it's... It's warranted. it's warranted. I think so too. You know, even if, and again, even just having more providers yeah. there could be helpful. More providers for the prolonged extrication, or just the fact of we're not behind the eight ball. Right now, we're Get not them waiting. Going and right. cancel them rather than wait to call them. Exactly. Right. Um, so the uh, the crew ends up splitting up, and uh, the EMT makes their way over to the male driver of the SUV. Uh, the male is standing, walking around his vehicle, appears to be having some emotional distress as he's walking around. Uh, the male, I believe it, I believe it too. <laughs> right. The, uh, the, the gentleman reports to the EMT that he's a, uh, 54 year old, yeah. Ding. uh, that he's 54 years old and was traveling home when he went through the intersection and struck the other vehicle, uh, appears to be alert and oriented times four with no slurred or impaired speech. He told the EMT he was texting his wife and didn't even realize he entered the intersection. Uh, by the time he saw the other vehicle, he was actively striking it. Um, he did not recall activating brakes on his SUV, but uh, notes that he does remember he was traveling at least 50 to 60 miles an hour. Um, all front airbags deployed, and he was wearing his seatbelt. Uh, he was able to self-extricate with no, with no help. Um, currently, airway is open with no fluid or debris. Uh, breathing to Kipnik, but does not appear to be short of breath. Uh, does have good, strong peripheral pulses present. He's complaining of neck and back pain, but no visible or palpable trauma is noted to either of these areas. Uh, the EMT does their due diligence, and I can't believe I said that proper, um, <laughs> <laughs> obtains a baseline set of vitals, which return as a manual BP of 168 over 98, a heart rate of 126 via palp, a respiratory rate of 24, unlabored but fast, as we said, and GCS 15, a 456. Uh, the EMT does actually contact the city dispatcher to send over a second available ambulance to the scene to transport this male patient. Um, so do you guys feel good about all the information and the choice with this whole paragraph? I'm on par. We're, we're good. I'm, on, I'm with him. We're yeah. very honest about or her. everything that happened. I mean, yeah, keep I him mean, in the back like, of my mind. You know just, he's getting ticketed. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there'd be many people out there that would be that honest. Right. Just side note. <laughs> but it's, it's so true. So true, though. You know, and it's almost like one of those types of things where you're like, you know this dude feels really shitty about what he just I did. Know. And that's probably like, dude, yeah, I, I got it coming to me. It's fine. Whatever. But the thing is, too, and that brings up a point, like accidents happen. Right. And that's why yep. it's so important, like. How many people look down at their phone when it goes off and put it back down? Yep. Could have been you. Yep. And that's it. You know, it's it's just part of life right. now. Accidents happen. You know? Um, Kelsey, did you want to add to something? I heard you start talking. Oh, um, I basically said, like, I think I'm, I'm going to keep him in the back of my mind until that other ambulance can get there and make him their priority. But at this point, like, I think I want to go see the other patient. Well, I don't think I do. I really want to. <laughs> it's the, the paramagician in her. Um, not the so, badassery. Nope. Hmm. She's, she's beyond the badassery already. <laughs> you should have seen her yesterday. She was, she was dope. 
It was, it was not that great. <laughs> was, she was phenomenal. I stood there and looked pretty all day. It was great. <laughs> great. Well, that's what you want to do when she's with you anyway. I know. And it <laughs> so worked good job, Kels. Oh, no. It was absolutely hilarious. She looks at me for confirmation of a decision, and I literally look back. I was like, I'm just standing here. <laughs> like, here and here. Oh, and then the other the EMT goes, I'm just here, too. And that's, like, the worst feeling as an intern. I'm just, because you're like, I'm all alone. <laughs> it's just me. I got played. The yep. BLS crew, yep. you got on board. Yep. Oh, it was great. Um, and then she made the right decision. So it was it was perfect. I have no doubts. Um, so... As we're, as, you know, that's the, the male patient. Now we switch gears over to the female patient. The, uh, the paramedic walks up to the vehicle where the firemen are beginning to work on extricating via the driver's door. Um, there's no real access to the patient. So that was my look, Ariel. <laughs> this um, is why we need video. This is why. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? So the fact that you guys can't see her face is priceless. Like, Find a gift. Yeah, so... <laughs> I'm like losing losing some faith in the fire department right now. <laughs> so I don't, as it was described to me, I don't think that the the driver's door is like V'd around the pole. Okay. I think it's just against the pole. Okay. So you'll start to see how they decide to extricate is they take the whole door off and then they slide it around the pole. And I'm like, okay. it didn't sound right when it was first explained because I gave the same look. Like, what the <laughs> fuck are they doing? What are you going to do? Move the pole? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, oh, here comes the sawzall. They're going <laughs> to yep. cut the damn pole down. <laughs> and then someone's going to fucking get electrocuted. But no, it, it was actually an interesting way to do it. Um, so there's no real access to the patient at this point in time because the door is still on. Right, so the medic works with another fireman on scene to pop the back windshield. Uh, they clean all of the glass debris, and that paramedic is now able to slide through the back window into the back seat. Um, so once this is done, they um, they find her like they're they're able to access a portion of her right side through like the middle, you know, where almost like your armrest is. Um, and just remember, there's intrusion all the way through the passenger side. So there's not really anywhere in the front that this paramedic can now access this patient. Um, they find her alert nor any times for. She is screaming, pleading for someone to help her and her baby. Yeah, see? <laughs> <laughs> Where is the child? Oh <laughs> Again, that would be great to get on video. <laughs> find the baby. <laughs> So, um, wait, is she pregnant? Is the baby inside of her? So the the paramedic is first surprised to hear about the possible third patient, right? Uh, they look at the back seat and find no car seat. So the medic literally asks like, where is this baby? And, um, you know, was the baby in the vehicle? She curses at, uh, at this paramedic and tells, uh, tells them that she is 38 weeks pregnant. Oh, so what I just said. Yeah, and I did. You guys hear me? No. Yes. You were right. I can't tell if you guys can hear me. Sometimes you can't give it away. He just keeps going when you guess correctly. Exactly. I can't just be like, "Yes, you guessed." You always guess right, people. Like there'd be no show. It would literally be like, "I'm gonna read a paragraph." Oh, look, everyone guessed it. All right, show's over, guys. That was great. Twelve minutes. Um, so 
So she reports that she's 26 years old and is expecting soon. Her anxiousness is increasing at this time, becoming more and more frantic. Um, the medic is able to ascertain from her that she was wearing her seatbelt. Side curtain and front airbags did deploy as they can see it. Uh, the dashboard is heavily deformed, and she reports that she's unable to move her legs. Uh, airway is open, clear of fluid and debris. Breathing is tachypnic with no visible chest trauma and equal chest rise and fall. Peripheral pulses are present, but weak and rapid. Skin is pale, diaphoretic. A sea collar is passed through the back window uh, by another fireman. It's sized and secured to her neck due to mechanism. So how concerned are you guys for this female patient? Very. Very. <laughs> and I extremely. hate pregnant people, and I don't mean it in the way that, really? like, I hate pregnant people, but I hate treating them. <clears throat> because are you really, really sick, or are you pregnant, and you compensate really well until you don't? And there's two of you. Yep. I just don't like them. I'm with you. I mean, you've got points. You got points. I agree. Because really, now you have, you know, two patients in one. If you start to treat baby, mom dies. If you don't treat mom, baby, baby dies. dies. So it's kind of like you have to be able to be aggressive with mom. With both. You know, to be able to do anything to save baby. Yeah. You know? Um so, yeah, I, like, are there special precautions that you guys are now thinking about now knowing pregnant female in a significant car accident, you know? No? like Oh, no, yes, sir. There's so many things. I was just like, well. Did we call we the helicopter? Did we call for the helicopter? No, we did not. Well, dang it. she's screaming about her legs, and there is dashboard deformity and it's going to take time to roll the dash i'm assuming because i'm sure her legs are stuck yep. so i think that it's a smart decision to call for a helicopter if possible i agree i'm also thinking about what meds you can give that doesn't harm the baby Already in my mind and so i'm thinking that i don't many. know that off the top of my head so again here's it goes back to my previous statement if you are giving medications in a life-saving capacity to save mom no one like if you give her a narcotic the narcotic is going to do the same to mom as it does to the baby are you concerned about what that baby does like what's that narcotic is going to do to the baby or are you more concerned with saving mom to be able to save baby right but there so, are some drugs that won't cross over the placental barrier Right. There's like different classes that we carry that some are proven to harm the baby, some aren't, and some like. But you they have don't to know. save the mom. Correct. Right but now, because but, if mom dies, so does baby. Right. So you're taking okay, you're taking the risk on hurting the baby, possibly to save mom, to save baby. It's actually almost a blessing that she's as far along as she is. Yes. <clears throat> yes. It is like it sucks because the size of her and the risk for the trauma to the baby. But when you're talking about like medications and development, that they baby can handle could be more. born today I and would saying, be okay. Yes. Where if she was like 26 weeks instead of 36 weeks, she'd be in a lot more trouble. Yes. I'm thinking too, you know, the stress of this, what her body's going through and being as far along as she is, it's not far-fetched in my mind that this could multiply to two oh, patients very quickly. God. Oh, yeah. Because, you know. That would How do you birth a baby when they're... <laughs> It'd pop out under the dashboard. Kelsey, women have been birthing babies without mm -hmm. help for millions of years. Yeah. 
Under the dashboard? Listen, she'll find a way. Hey, I mean, people poop them out in toilets. Yeah, I that mean, baby's yes. coming. That baby's coming. And yeah. yeah. Trust me, I've seen it and delivered it. Put and your goddamn gloves fast. <laughs> and hey, Kelsey, just remember, it's a BLS skill. So you know I what? Emily. Freaks me <laughs> out. Have fun. EMT <laughs> badass. EMT badass. You. Hey, that, there you go. Love There's this. your patch and, and yep, everything. Deliver a baby in a car under the dashboard while entrapped. I mean, who doesn't want a cream to that? If I don't get like, a pin for that, then seriously. I'm out. I'll make uh, you a pin. <laughs> seriously, right? Um, so the uh, the EMT hands over care to the of the male driver to the uh, second crew now arriving. Um, the second EM uh, EMS crew uh, places him in their ambulance, secures a sea collar on him, and then literally just drives up to the road up the road to the hospital two minutes away. Um, I, I well, isn't that like, I'm, not, like, I'm not on board? I'm with not that, completely okay. convinced no. that he just has neck and back pain with the significant of the significant damage Mechanism. to both mm-hmm. vehicles. Like his airbags had to have gone off. They did. He's they wearing did. a seatbelt. Doesn't with just the mechanism, have. he technically warrant. I mean, at least I, in New York State, he technically warrants a trauma center. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I don't. I don't agree with their destination. They're looking at it as, okay, he's got neck and back pain. Turn it around and get back to the scene. Yeah. Yeah. I I see where they're coming from. I don't agree with it, but moving on. Can't fix it now. It's already done. Exactly. He's already there. Right. So the EMT rejoins their medic partner at this point in time, and the medic tells them to speak to the fire captain and see how the extrication process is going because they're inside the vehicle. They can't really talk what the hell's going outside. Um, and they specifically want to know how long they're going to be mm-hmm. in this process. So the fire captain tells the, the EMT that this is turning out to be extended due to the position of the vehicle against the pole. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can't guarantee, but the belief is that it could take upwards of 20 to 30 extra minutes from this point in time before she can be removed from the vehicle. So hearing that, uh, this EMT contacts their city dispatch center again and yes. finally requests air medical to okay. be launched to the area. Fair, though. Fair. The medic is thinking of other things. Wait till you get the resource to get it. I'm okay with that. Yes. At least they did it. Right. And, like, I mean, and they didn't wait yeah. until they were out of the vehicle after oh, they'd shit. been fucking around for 30 minutes. Yes. So I'm there. I'm with them on this. I'm good with it. Yeah. Um. Air Medical also does more baby training than we do, so praise. Yep. I'm okay with them hanging out at the scene. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, and use your resources. Granted, if they're taking mom and baby, they don't have space for the baby pod, but whatever. Get in the. They can they'll, get in the ambulance be, and they'll go. They'll be just fine. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. If it's that imminent. So um, inside the vehicle, the medic finds that she is complaining of severe pain to her abdomen and lumbar region of the back. Uh, She also can no longer feel her right leg. Uh, There is also severe pain to the left hip and groin area anytime she attempts to move her left leg, uh, which at this point is still pinned along with the right leg. Um, The EMT arrives back at the vehicle and updates the medic on the decision to utilize air medical. Um, They then pass the paramedic's cardiac monitor through the back window. Um, The medic is able to obtain an initial EKG rhythm, Using the shoulders and the thighs. Sinus tack. See, this is why it would be a 12-minute episode. <laughs> um, it does show a sinus tack with a rate in the 160s. 
Uh, a BP on the right arm is taken via the NIBP cuff and returns as 84 over dash, dash, dash. <clears throat> um, respiratory rate. So I have a question. Oh, thank God you answered it. <laughs> yes. So I know that pregnant women compensate and generally their vital signs are a little off because of that. But aren't they more likely to have a normal blood pressure for longer because of the extra blood volume in them? It depends if they're it depends on what is going on with them. It also depends on how far along they are. Correct. She's far but enough like, along that her compensatory mechanisms have started to switch back. So she's gonna have more normal vital signs. Okay. You are correct that but yes, you, you know, are, yes. It you, is depending on where and how far along she is, yes. Typically a pregnant female will have a higher blood pressure solely because of a higher blood volume. Because, like, 80 on nothing is worrisome in a non-pregnant person, but then 80 on nothing in a pregnant person whose normal should be, like, 140 on something is even more concerning. I mean, I'm still yes. pretty concerned with this 80 on nothing. Yeah. Yes. Well, yes, but... Yeah. Especially given, you know, if you walk into a house and she's sitting on the couch, cool, calm, and collected complaining of toe pain and she's 80 on nothing. I'm a little less concerned, even though it's going to make me bat an eye. Right. She's in yeah. a major car accident. There's right. a high probability of be. bleeding. Yeah. I'm, I'm concerned. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is one of those, you, your, your level of oh fuckery just went from five to 11. Yes. Right. So, um, blood pressure, 84 over triple dash. Uh, respiratory rate is in the low to mid thirties and she's seemingly extremely anxious. Uh, SPO two is 82% on room air. Exactly. Right. So, um, SPO two, 82% on room air. Uh, the medic noted that both lower portions of her arms are cyanotic and cool. Mm -hmm. Peripheral pulses are now barely palpable. Uh, oxygen is requested, passed through the back window and he, uh, the, the medic placed her on, Non-rebreather mask, 15 liters. Okay. Um, the, uh, the medic then reaches around the seat to auscultate lung sounds. They're equal and clear, but significantly diminished. So, Well, she's growing a human. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, how much space do you think is in there? Especially at, you know, what? 36 36 weeks. weeks? Yeah, exactly. Christ. And depending on how big this girl is, she could be like Jess. Right, that's 30, what, so like, that's honestly what I'm picturing is somebody the size of your wife, and right. like, well, how much space do you think is in there? Well, yeah, that too, and like, you know, being short, we're kind of all short. Yep. I sit close to the steering wheel, oh, yeah. and all I'm picturing right now is that airbag in the steering wheel hitting her stomach. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure, and the and the steering seat wheel and the seatbelt. There's how a many ton of trauma there? How many pregnant women actually wear a seatbelt properly when, when they're, they're pregnant? pregnant? Oh, None, because None. it's very uncomfortable. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah. So, I want to hear from, from you guys, what is possibly going on with this female? Like, we've all established everything. she's a critical patient, but where do you, where, like, if you're laying down your differentials as a medic or an EMT sitting in that car, where are you going right now? I'm just curious. We're going to start with Kelsey, because I feel like being me. <laughs> That's fine. Um, any sort of internal bleeding, I'm thinking possibly um, a tearing in the placenta, something going on like in the uterus, maybe even a broken pelvis, especially if she can't feel that leg, if there's some sort of shift there. Um, the start of what 
could end up being like a rhabdo the minute that you release all of that from the dash um, because of all the built-up toxins below her legs because I don't exactly know how pinned they are because I can't physically visualize it. But I feel like a lot of blood somewhere where it shouldn't be, somewhere from the abdomen to the knees. So I think Kelsey deserves a macho man. Because that was dope. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I agree with all of that. You know, especially in the thought process of, you know, like uh, placenta rupture or, you know, some form of internal trauma is definitely something to be thinking about in this, you know, in this call. Yeah. Um, what do you, are you guys more or less along the same yeah. roads? Is there something that you guys are thinking maybe she didn't say? Um, I think I've just been thinking if we can see any active bleeding from her legs at all. So no bleeding was seen by this medic. So no active bleeding. Okay, that's kind of all I was really thinking about. for. Or like vaginal bleeding. Bit. Can she feel the baby moving? It was never asked, actually. That would be my question because at 36 really good weeks, questions. and especially with this much excitement and the mom and the shape she is, that baby sh- is going to feel that. Yes. So And should be... Being like, yo, fuckers, what'd you do yeah. to me? Like, the baby's going to be anxious at this point. Yes. So ask if they're moving. Yeah. yeah. I think I would expo- like I would want to expose her abdomen, too, and just look for mm-hmm. all, all the signs that we anticipate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I think, you know, it was, it was a, a missed opportunity for the paramedic to go down those questions, right. you know. Um, and I'm sure, you know, hey, we, we forget to ask. Simple, easy questions. Especially your pucker factors through the roof right now. Exactly, you know. Um, but uh, so moving on, uh, the the local air medical has now accepted the mission with a 12-minute plus lift time. Um, they will be landing at the local hospital's helipad two minutes up the road. It is then coordinated with a fireman that they're going to take the captain's vehicle to the hospital, pick up the crew, and bring them back to the scene. Um, because at this point in time, they still don't know if they're, if the patient's going to be out of the vehicle yet. So they're bringing helicopter to them because the helicopter can't land next to them. I'm fine with that. So I think, (laughs) That's one of those things that I don't set up. Right. This is all fire operations, but it's really good. Yeah. Like, this was stellar. Um, so she continues to complain of severe pain to the abdomen and lower back. However, she begins to describe a tearing sensation across her entire abdomen. Um, She's now beginning to feel pain across her chest wall as well, and the pain in her hip and groin have now become constant instead of just when she moves her legs. Uh, At this point in time, there is no way to fully access her arms to place an IV line. Um, She's becoming more anxious, more frantic, but is still able to tell the medic uh, that she's got no previous medical history, has no allergies, and is only taking prenatal vitamins. The pregnancy has been normal without issue, and this is her first kid. Um, So they did get some information, just not all the information. I mean, helpful to know, I guess. Yes. Um, Vital signs are run again. Uh, BP via the NIBP comes back as 79 over triple dash. Uh, Heart rate is still sinus tack, now at a rate of 155. Respiratory rate is 38, very anxious. Um, SpO2 is maintaining in the low 90s, still on that 15 non-rebreather. non-rebreather. End title is connected, and the initial breathing is 22. Um, 
concerning, non-concerning. It's for the a, like, it's expected. Yes. So I agree. Okay, I'm gonna store that in the back of my mind. But like, she's breathing at 38. Right. So I anticipate that to be low. I'm more concerned with the low SpO2 in the face of high, you know, high flow oxygen yep. and her failing every other vital sign. Yes. Yep. I agree. Um, so at this point in time, a phone call is placed to the local uh, medical control line by the paramed uh, by the paramedic. Um, orders for ketamine, 0.1 milligrams per kilogram is requested um, from the doc. Uh, the medic had previously previously asked the female uh, patient for her weight, and it's calculated that she's approximately 75 kilos. Uh, so orders from the doc are given for 7.5 milligrams of ketamine via an IM injection. Um, are you guys... Actually, I'm going to go to Kelsey on this one specifically because we talked about pain management, Kelsey, are you good with these orders for this patient specifically? Crickets. Sorry, I was thinking. <laughs> it gave a, I was letting Kelly have a moment. I was going to say, Kelly brought up a really good point, um, you know, in why Kelly would choose ketamine. So thank you, Kelly. I appreciate that. I mean, I honestly <clears throat> think it's probably our best option. And I feel like my... The main issue is the fact that I hate pregnant women and I hate having to deal with two patients wrapped in one like a weird burrito. And I I feel like, though, it's just bothering me the idea of giving ketamine to a pregnant person with a baby. But, like, it's what you got to do. And honestly, I think it's probably the best medication for her because it's kind of going to take her out of it during the whole extrication process, which is probably one of the best things that could happen to her. Yes. You're looking at me like this is... I'm letting Kelsey talk. Yes, no, indifferent. But yeah, but I before actually, Kelsey even st started, you were like, ah. So I don't really mind the ketamine. Ketamine is safe in kids. Mm -hmm. I don't know about like neonates specifically, but it's safe in children. So I can't anticipate there's some huge risk right. for a neonate. And again, remember, you give morphine, you give fentanyl, you give ketamine. All three yeah. are going to affect the kid. Two. Right, yep. and the other two are going to have more effect on the blood pressure. And yes. again, we need to treat the mom or nobody's going to survive this. Correct. So I'm on board with ketamine. Me too, 100%. I think, you know, and especially doing a weight-based dose, you know, and going on the low end. Yes. Right? Yes. This is 0 0.1 to 0 0.3 is their protocol, and they were like... On the lower side of that. Hey, we're not going and asking yeah. for a lot. We're just wanting to take edge off here, make her calm. Maybe we can get her outside and not affect blood pressure, but be able to treat pain. And especially, like, is the anxiety a result of the hypovolemia? Potentially. But is the anxiety a result of this wicked car accident when she's that pregnant? That heart rate is not helping that blood pressure. No. So if you could help those even just a tad, it's only going to benefit you. Yeah, I agree. And there, And again, you know, being outside of the hospital, there's no way to monitor baby yeah, for yeah. like fetal heart rate or nothing. You what know, you do listen. And what are you going to hear? Muffled nothing. You're going to hear a you hum. Know? Right. So I, I agree with this. I think in, in the face of what the crew had being morphine, fentanyl, ketamine. I agree. I'm with it. This is the best option. Um, and they were upfront about it. Like, I'm not even going to fuck around with the other ones. This is where I'm going. And I like that. Um, so the medic proceeds and administers the ketamine to the right upper arm. Uh, shortly after the admin, the fire captain sticks their head in through the back window and tells the medic that they're going to peel the dash 
uh, at this point in time because they've gotten the door out from wedged in between the car and the pole. And um, their re- the, the fire department is now requesting that the medic gets out of the vehicle for the dash peel just for safety concerns. So um, the medic exits the car and uh, moves away with their partner, still being able to keep eyes on her. Um, As the medic, though, is exiting the vehicle, you can tell that her mental status is now declining where the eyes are now closed. Um, SBO2 can be seen uh, dropping into the mid-80s. So I'm going to quickly throw in a question that I didn't write but do you guys think that this is a ketamine effect I was just or thinking. mechanism effect? I think you have to go with the theory that it's mechanism because you can't count on the fact that it's ketamine, leave her there for the dash peel, come back, and she's dead. Right. Right. So I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg. I and, don't and who know. Who knows? We'll never know. Yeah, but you can't. But it's something really interesting to consider. I mean, oh, do they have to leave for the dash peel? You know, it could be a little bit of both. So I'll tell in you, the back I have, of the vehicle. I have never. I've been a part of where I'm in the back seat, and I have never had anyone ask me to leave a vehicle during extrication, even if they're peeling roofs. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I've been a part of that where I'm just under the blanket with the yeah, patient. Right. So I this guess is weird. My question would be to them, and like again, I don't know how you do that. You talk about a dash peel, like I literally picture peeling an orange. I don't fucking know. It's like a bar and it goes between like the The door panel and the dash, like the side door panel. And the bar is like on hydraulics. You're going, it's on hydraulics. You're good. Keep going. I don't know. You work it mechanically and it pushes and rolls the dash Forward. So the safest spot to be is back, right? Yes. You're not gonna. So I don't. I this would is ask, why it's 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 weird to me that this was a, a request yeah. that was made. And I feel like, given the patient, you know, patient care comes first. And like, yes, we need to get her out. I understand that. But maybe the question is like, do I have to get out? Maybe you just want me to like move more behind her. You know, maybe right. I can readjust in the vehicle and still be right there with her. Yep. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think this was a weird request. Um, and it's maybe something that the paramedic didn't want to fight in the moment. But, yeah, I might have been like, you know, and nicely been like, eh, just give me a sheet or a turnout coat right. or something that I can hide back here right. underneath yeah. just so I don't move. I don't, you know? I wouldn't feel comfortable, I think, leaving the patient in there because they're already scared as it is, and now they're going to hear the mechanics of oh, all yeah. of this right. equipment. And, and it's they're going alone. on right. literally next to yeah. her leg, I, you know? And, and it's going to hurt. Yeah. She's already having pain there. It's going to hurt. Any movement mm-hmm. is going to hurt. Yep. I think we should just give her a Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> Broken Skull IPA and be like, here you go. I'm like, you know that I heard an ad for that today Did and you? I died. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's awesome. So, um, firemen are able to finally remove her from the car onto the backboard. Um, then she's carried to an awaiting stretcher, which was g- grabbed by the EMT. Um, and Badass. yep. Once, once she is placed on the stretcher, she's unresponsive. I didn't say that. Oh, I'm waiting. Once she's lifted like onto the stretcher, she's then lifted upwards, backboards removed. Um, so they uh the em the e, like the EMS crew quickly shifts her to a left lateral position on the stretcher 
Um, and did then that move. Fucking hurt. I bet it did. I almost would have left her on the backboard to take some of the pressure off her hip. Yeah, she was complaining of left hip pain. Yeah. Yep. Um, minor details. Minor details, right? She can't feel the right leg, and she's you know semi-conscious now. So yeah, I mean, that might have been. You're rolling her. Did you check and see if the pelvis was stable before you rolled her? Nope. <laughs> nope. Did we look at the back when we rolled Cringy. her and had her on her side? Not that I know of. Mm. Oh, good. Okay. Yep. So I mean, this is this is one of those oh shit we we really have a bad patient and I don't want her to die yeah so we're gonna not do shit while we do shit it's more I, or less what I'm thinking I what are you gonna find on the back she's got a step off noted like it's not gonna change your treatment right now and right. at this point they need a line yeah I was gonna say they need to resuscitate her yes. more than they need to do, you know like a living patient is with a spinal injury is still better than one that's with dead. a dead yeah but don't worry that spine's still protected. <laughs> Like, pick your battles. <laughs> so um, they finally moved the stretcher into the ambulance. At this point in time, the aircraft is now circling overhead and yeah. landing at the hospital up the road. Um, so once she's inside the truck, uh, it was decided that the EMS crew is just going to transport up the road to the hospital and meet the air medical crew. So the EMT moves up to the front and transport started. Now, remember, this is just a two-minute transfer, so it's not very far. Um, during the transport, vitals are obtained. Uh, BP uh, now returns as triple dash over triple dash. Mm-hmm. A pulse is checked. There is currently no peripheral pulses, but she does have a carotid pulse, and there still is sinus tack on the monitor with a heart rate of 131. Mm. Respiratory rate has dropped slightly to 26 and is now shallow. SBO2 on the non-rebreather is now 82% and end title falls to 18. So I would be shocked that she's not coding at this point in time. I would say she's decomping. Right? So where, like, what are your immediate thoughts on where she is right now? And then I want to follow that up with what does this medic need to do now? I'm driving. I'm waiting for somebody else to answer. <laughs> I feel stuck. Like, in my mind... Why are you stuck? She, like, uh, ABCs, right? She needs an airway. She's clearly not adequately ventilating, but at the same time, it doesn't really... I mean, what's that will kill her, yes, but at the same time, if we don't get fluid into her, she's got nothing to circulate, and that also will kill her. Yep. What's going to kill her faster? All of the above. Yep. Which one so first? Which one do you go to I first? I wish my EMT was in the back with me and the firefighter was driving. Ah, operational decisions. I like that. So my Too EMT can manage an airway BLS and I can get a line. Because I, I was just thinking she needs BPM. She needs ventilation. So. Yeah. So, you know, oxygenation and perfusion is what is killing her right now. Mm-hmm. And we don't know where we're losing it. So... Yes, I agree that she needs to be resuscitated with fluid, but fluid is not going to help her. Blood Blood products is going to help her. her. So at this point in time, I'm going to load up whatever blood we have with as much oxygen as we can, which means I need to take airway and breathing to help the circulation that she has. That would be my thought process in this whole thing. I would probably jump right on airway. And it's been... been a little bit of time. I think I would double check lung sounds because they were diminished initially. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree with that. 
You know, does she have attention pneumo that, you know, now we got a darter or something like that? Yeah, I agree. Um, so the medic goes down the road of ABC and starts with BVM ventilations. Um, she's now responsive to painful stimuli, but does not uh, open her eyes at any point. Uh, the ambulance arrives at the helipad behind the local hospital. The flight crew, which consists of one RN and one paramedic, enter the ambulance. The ground paramedic begins to give the full report to the flight team on the incident, the management at the scene, um, including uh, the ketamine and now her decline in mental status and presentation. Um, the flight team then splits up, um, having the RN begin a full rapid trauma assessment while the uh, flight paramedic begins to uh, get all of the stuff needed for a definitive airway. Um, also, while control, like connecting all of their monitoring equipment. Uh, the ground EMT enters the back of the rig, takes over the BVM after successfully sizing and placing an NPA into the left nostril. Um, the ground medic then moves to her left side and begins the process of IV placement. So they're kind of all doing a unique tax that needs to be done right now. So I think this is really good management yeah. from all four of them. Um, the ground medic is successful in placing an IV. Uh, they place a 16 gauge into the left AC. Awesome. Uh, normal sailing drip is started and set to wide open. Uh, the flight nurse finds that she is notably cyanotic to the face, lips, and from about the mid forearm down to the fingertips. Uh, there appears no head or neck trauma, no visible chest trauma. Breast sounds are retaken. They're still equal and still diminished. Um, abdomen is round, firm. Now, recall from prior to her mental status change, she was complaining of the severe abdominal pain with the shearing, tearing sensation across her belly. Um, the pelvis was found to be unstable to palpation. Lower extremities are cool to the touch. Pulses are not present in the right leg, but present in the left. Uh, there are some minor abrasions to the shin of the right leg, but no active bleeding. Did you guys, we check for vaginal bleeding? So I was never given a report that vaginal bleeding was checked. So I can only assume that nobody did it. Because, you know, that's weird. I don't know. That's what, <laughs> that's what literally everybody is like, I didn't do it. It's weird. Look at the goddamn seat when you move her. Yep. They're also unresponsive, and I don't think she'll mind that much when it comes to her life. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to do. I'm saying it's appropriate. I'm just playing devil's advocate and knowing that many people would be like, no, that's weird. Why would you do that? Well, I mean, at, at that point, at this point, I would assume she's probably already trauma naked because they've assessed for you would hope. chest injuries and. Yeah, you would hope. I didn't ask. I mean, you know she's bleeding. Yeah. So. But again, where is she bleeding? Baby's in trouble. Yeah. Does it matter? I mean, not like you're going to do much about it. Is it helpful to know? Sure. Yeah, if you can figure it out. Right. So um, a pelvic binder is, uh, is placed by the ground medic and the RN. Um, the flight medic obtains vital signs via their cardiac monitor. Uh, heart rate, sinus tack, now in the 120s. BP via their autocuff returns as 44 over triple dash. Um, the flight medic then hangs a unit of plasma and begins that infusion. Uh, the RN obtains second IV access site 
uh, right AC with an 18 gauge cath. Um, at this point in time, she's then moved into the aircraft and the crew lifts off for about a 17 minute flight to the medical slash trauma center we spoke about earlier, the one 45 minutes away by drive. Um, during the transfer, it was reported that O positive blood with packed red blood cells, calcium, and a levofed uh, drip were all started. Um, the only thing I don't know to what they did was ending blood pressures and uh, if they were able to raise them or if they stayed, like, consistent and if they actually intubated her or not. I don't know if she was intubated by the flight team. Um, ultimately, I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> probably, right? But they have to be able to resuscitate just like yeah. we do before they're going to give her drugs to tank her pressure right. and kill her. Right. So, again, I don't know, depending on did the blood, the plasma, and the levofed do anything. Right. How fast is she bleeding? Right. So, um, ultimately, mom will go into the ER, um, go into the OR, and she will come out of the OR. Baby will not come out of the OR. Mm. Um, and then I don't have any other further information on how mom is doing after the OR. Um, but I want to hear from you guys. Like, you know, this is a long call. It's a, a serious call. What are your overall thoughts? Like, do we have a definitive, this is what was going on or just no. overall thoughts of everything? I think they did well, actually. My gut is telling me the uterus. Okay. What with the uterus? That she's bleeding in her uterus. Okay. She popped her placenta. Yeah. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, like something placental tear, something with the baby. Something in the uterus isn't where it's supposed to be. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely possible with the mechanism. She could be bleeding in her pelvis. Mm-hmm. She could be bleeding in her belly, not in her uterus. I mean, who right. would know that? Yeah. Scanner, I have no fucking clue. Right. I don't know. You can only be like, hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, like this is what I think. Sure, I think she's bleeding from the diaphragm down. Right. Yeah. I don't know. You'd probably be right. Above <laughs> me on that, I yeah. don't fucking know. Right. Diaphragm but, down, thighs again, up. As you say all the time, does it matter? Yeah, it does. I. You know, it's not changing treatment plan, and really, it's not changing treatment plan in the ER. Mom's in trouble. Baby's in trouble. Baby needs to come out. Right. Mom needs the OR. Yeah. Where she's bleeding doesn't actually matter. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's a sad end. But it could be worse because you could have right. lost mom and baby. Correct. And that, and again, that goes back to our initial conversation right. of you got you to save mom to have a chance with baby. That, that's, that is it. Yeah. End of story. And honestly, like with her vitals, as they were for so long, the baby was doomed. Yes. Like they it, were hypoxic well before exactly. mom became hypoxic. It was really hard to resuscitate the baby there. Yes. So... I agree. It's sad. It's shitty, but it makes sense. Yeah. You know, there's, there's really, it's unlikely that you would have ever saved that baby. Yes. So on it, but I think they managed it well. Their decisions were on par. Timing was good. Mm -hmm. I, I think Her a lot of, they did well. I think a lot of things went very well yeah. for them. <clears throat> um, you know, there was a couple things where I think time may have been wasted here or there, or maybe this decision um, could have replaced another, right. and I'll get into that. Um, but overall, I think they did do very yeah. good, especially not really knowing what they were dealing right. with. 
they know bleeding, they know this, but there's nothing to definitively go, this is COPD, right. I'm going to treat it with this. Right. There's nothing like that. Um, it's kind of like, I'm going to really hope that what I'm throwing at this lady sticks. Right. You know? Um, do you have any thoughts for overall thoughts? Uh, overall, like, I agree. I think that they did a really good job. And, like, operationally, I think things went really well. Like, they worked very well together. Yeah. And they got the patient out without really any type of issues. And it, it, You know? These are those... And I think having the the ambulance within the city, the fire department within the city, and the police within the city, all of these people know each other. They've all done this before. I think that lends itself to yeah. how smooth this went. Oh, yeah. Because everybody knows what everyone's expectations are. Right. It's and not, what everybody's you know, tasks are. Right. You don't need somebody managing the scene being like, okay, you have to treat the patient. Like, everybody knows that. Right. And right. that is a huge relief when you show up to a scene like this and everybody knows their place yep i agree um so getting into i the first thing that i want to do is i just want to go into where i think time was wasted inside the vehicle and i really think the only time that time was wasted was inside the vehicle um the medic in my opinion had access to that right arm the entire time they gave ketamine in the right arm the entire time But I understand they're from they're in the back of her, so doing an IV on the forearm might not be available to them. They might not be able to do a backwards, upside-down IV. I get that. It's hard. I've done it. Most people are not even going to try it. They gave a shot of ketamine in that right upper bicep. Why didn't they just do a humeral head I.O.? Boom. Now you're, now you're resuscitating before she's even out of the car. Right. It was yeah. never thought about. It was never tried. Nothing. It was just like, that's gone. I or can't, I don't, I don't have access to an arm. I, I can't mean, get not an IV. For nothing, but if they're going like once the door's off, throw a line in the left side, hang a bag and then move. Like yep. you got kicked out of the car. You have access to the left side now. Why not resuscitate her then yep. and move on? I didn't even, as I'm writing this, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, like again, lost opportunity yeah. that wasn't like we're watching. But we're not doing. We're not and we utilizing know she that needs time. It because right. we see this trend, right? And I mean, that was on their their to do list yeah. almost immediately yeah. as soon as she got into the truck, right? So clearly, it's on their it's on their radar, right? I'm really mad. I don't know what the inside of the car looks like because I'm just thinking to myself, like, I would position myself, move my body, make myself uncomfortable any way I could to get to her arm if I'm like leaning up in the front or whatever. Right, like try. Try and, mm -hmm. I mean, you're, it's intruded on the left side, but like see if you can get the seat back to like roll onto that side. If I can just like move in on like the console area. Right, anything. Like just sneak in. Mm -hmm. I just, you know. But, you have, you know, maybe they do or don't. I'm I assuming mean, they do. Hell, drill it. Be yeah. she's unstable enough. Yeah. You can drill her. Be Billy badass and lean over the top of the seat and do yeah. an EJ. Yeah, and I highly doubt that IO is going to hurt worse than whatever else she's got going on. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those weird, like, weird ones where, yeah, she's in so much pain that if I did a conscious EJ or a conscious, you know, IO. She's probably going to be like, oh, what, a bee sting? But, you know. Okay, who cares? At the end of the day, too, and, like, we're not in the business to torture people, pain never killed anybody. And that I owe is way more valuable than that 
two minutes of pain from yes. the flush. And if you would have gotten the IO, I mean, probably could have started presser sooner. Yeah. Because you would, yep. But again, you know, what are you, what are you pressing? You know, like, yes, I get we have fluid and we're going to dump fluid, but we're, we're losing. You need blood. You need blood. Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, we all would have started pressers early. You're just going to be squeezing fluid, yeah. but you know what? It's squeezing you're something. Right. You're not, you're not helping perfusion and oxygenation. You're fixing a blood pressure, but you're not fixing perfusion. Right. You know, and oxygenation is something that also I feel took a back seat to much of the operational aspects of this call. So they let her hang out in the low 90s for with a non-rebreather for a very long time. Yeah. Like, her rate might not have been six. Like, oh, man, you know, but she doesn't have sufficient oxygenation going on And here. really the only thing that we can do in this to help the baby is to oxygenate them. Damn skippy. And we kind of drop the ball on that. Yeah. And the baby's lacking oxygen. Right. If mom's lacking oxygen. Right. And so if mom's at 93%, the, the baby is much lower. Right. Yeah. And so, babies don't like that. So, no. again, how are you going to oxygenate her in the car like that? Is this one where you get creative and... BVM or really? intubate. Shut up, Kelsey. No. <laughs> Dang it. But why can't you bet you're you're behind her? You can go I'm not saying I'm not saying you can't. Is this a, a bag scenario or is this maybe a get creative and use a CPAP? Because you could just throw it on her. She's still she's her not lethargic. Still support a CPAP. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I was gonna say never mind. But see, even I guess. Nasally intubate. Couldn't you no, I but couldn't you use the CPAP mask because it'll keep to hold it? Seal. So and, all you yeah, have to and do then is just, bag, and then just bag it. Right. Now see, that gets you a macho. <laughs> That's really yeah. fucking brilliant, right there. <laughs> yep. So yeah, I think you know oxygenation, especially in the realm of hypovolemia and a significant hemorrhage, is what we're thinking here. Probably took that back seat for way too long. You know. Um, so now, uh, I, I, I hid the entire cause from you guys for a long period of time. Cause of what? This whole call. A car accident. No, no, no. That's the, the cause. The cause of all of her bleeding. Oh. So. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But it does because it's a really significant education point. Um, so I just want to say that. Triple A. No. no, she popped her placenta. <laughs> so I just want to say that I have said it before. I have said it a, a thousand times in private. I've said it once to Kelsey. Kelsey is going to be smarter than me and Gerard combined. <laughs> and it scares me. We already knew that. We, we all knew it. <laughs> I wish you guys could see the face I'm making right now. However, <laughs> so um, in surgery, it was found out that she actually had a full uterine rupture. Which is what Kelsey said. Um, and that's ultimately where all of this bleeding came from. Not all, but all of the significant pain and bleeding in the abdomen. So just there are three different classifications of uterine rupture. Um, there's one, which I'm going to say is a window, um, which I can't even say because I'm just going to buzz myself in silence for how much I'd fuck it up. But you can Google it. Um, but uh, the second name for it is a, a window rupture, which is where the uterus separates, but the peritoneum remains intact. 
uh, the uterine contents also stay in place. So that one's like the mild version. Uh, then you have the second classification, which is a little bit more severe, and that one's called an incomplete or partial. That's where the uterus separates, but the par- yeah, you see, I, how do you even say that? <laughs> I let Emily take that one. Exactly. <laughs> I can't find it. Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, so the incomplete or partial is where the uterus separates, but the peritoneum remains intact. Uterine contacts and uh, exit the uterine wall, but they do not exit the peritoneum. Now, remember, the peritoneum is that um, abdominal cavity. Is that wall. like a uterine dehiscence? Yes, yes, that, yes, that word. Are you kidding? Dehiscence? Are you kidding me? What? That's what you're digging yourself for? Yeah, I was. I no, I could not say that. Okay, well, I found that the first time. I just thought, no, they can say this. Are you fucking kidding me? I can't say that. You've never heard of a wound dehiscence? Nope. The first time kidding? I ever heard yes, of... Yes, you have. Yes, I have. Nope. You, yes, nope. you have. Nope. The first time You've I've ever seen, seen that word is... I'm sure. Shit. No way. The uh, first time I've ever seen that word is this afternoon as I was writing this call. Going back through your charts, I'll show you. <laughs> I certainly did not write dehiscence, whatever. Dehiscence. On my chart. Somebody show him a really cool picture. Yeah. Anywho, um... The last classification is just a complete uh, rupture. So that's uterus separates, peritoneum separates, and the uterine contents exit the peritoneum cavity. Um, This means fetus, umbilical cord, placenta all exit into the abdominal cavity. Is that what she had? That's what she had. So, again, that is cause for significant issue, uh, internal issue. So... Well, you have to remember when you're pregnant and especially that far along, your body naturally shunts all the blood to the body or to the baby, especially when you're losing blood. Your body is naturally going to protect the baby as much as it can. Yeah. So the majority of your blood volume is down there and now you're having, and now you're losing. Right. 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 But it makes sense that that's what happened because think of she's 75 kilos. She's 36 weeks pregnant. Baby is in the perfect spot to get the most, the brunt of the force of this car accident. Yep. Makes sense. Yeah. It makes perfect sense, um, and uh, so typically you're 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 going to see this uh, type of uh, uterine rupture in pregnant females with a history of C-sections, or who have suffered significant major abdominal trauma. So you don't really see it in just like your typical pregnant female who just fell. Like you don't see those. Um, unless they have a history of C-sections, because then um, what happens is the scar actually opens, opens internal, so and there know, goes everything. If you learn what a dehiscence is, it makes sense. Because when you learn, when I learned what a dehiscence was, I learned it in wound care, and it's when you have a healing wound, and then for some strange reason, it opens perfectly. Mm-hmm. And that's a dehiscence of a wound. So it makes sense that like this a previous C-section... No, I just paid attention in school. That's true. With a previous C-section, there's already a weakness in the tissue. That's where it's going to dehiss. Yes. Yep. So um, most common signs and symptoms include abdominal pain, vaginal bleeding. This is the big one. Early and very quick onset of shock with tachycardia. This is not a, hey, we're going to compensate for a while and then shock's going to set in. This is like... Hey, we did this. Boom, shock's there already. Well, because you're losing so much so fast. Exactly. Yeah. So by the time that they got there, she was already in 
full-blown shock. She was diaphoretic. She was pale, weak pulses. Exactly. She had already... vitals. Exactly. Yeah. She was already there. And that's the big thing that you have to look out for, is that early, quick onset of shock with tachycardia, and then the tearing or shearing abdominal and back pain. Well, that's actually interesting too because most pregnancy complications that have to deal with like the placenta or like, you know, the placental rupture, all that kind of stuff, the majority of them are painless. Yeah. And you just have this painless vaginal bleeding. So like you do kind of get a different differential when you talk about abdominal pain. Now for her, like is the abdominal pain because she just got walloped by a truck or an SUV mm-hmm. or is it because she's got this uterine dehiscence? Right. Um so I looked into uh, the mortality rates with these just Hi. because I was curious. Uh, so fetal mortality is around 1% with the dehiscence rupture. I'm proud of you for that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and it increases to about 20, uh, 10 to 20% with the complete rupture. Uh, fetal bradycar- Yeah, fetal bradycardia occurs in nearly 80% of cases. So that's where they get you. You know, um, parental death is fairly rare, but the hypovolemia via the significant hemorrhage complications are seen in nearly one third of all cases. So that's significant. That's a good portion. Um, so I want to kind of touch base on the thought process of waiting for intubation. And I, and I, want to say that these providers did a really good job of holding back their emotions and resuscitating. So, Kelsey, what did you learn in your RSI lecture about what an RSI process is? Well, that it's not rapid and that it is very, very, it was very, well, that was not, yeah, it was made very, very clear that RSI is not a crash airway and right. that it is not something that you do as like an, oh, fuck, my patient's dying. Right. It is not a life-saving procedure in, in any term of, you know, the way you can think about crash airways, rescue airways. It's a precise airway. Um, it's that, a methodical process. Right. That you have to resuscitate so that the patient can survive handle it because if you're gonna you know if you're there and you're going oh fuck right this patient's dying they're whatever they're shitty vitals you know their end title is like 12 whatever they're gonna die on me right now most people go i need to intubate them that's not gonna fix them you need to get them perfusing before a tube which is just gonna give them air is not and gonna it's not helping when there's nothing to perfuse the oxygen around. Exactly. You can put all the action you want. There's still only four blood cells in her body. Exactly. So <laughs> getting that conversation. <laughs> four. <laughs> that was cute. <laughs> um, you know, you those are things that I see so many times EMS providers doing really horrible is they see really shit and they go, Well, I'm just gonna RSI because it's gonna somehow help. This is my only tactic that's really big on my list that somehow could help. Um, Blood volumes. I got two more. I know I'm going long. So blood volumes. We've said abdominal cavity can hold nearly five liters of blood. We only hold six in the body. So She had more, though. She had more. Pregnant people have more. She had more, yes. However, 
take your typical abdominal pain or, you know, abdominal trauma patient, that whole, that cavity holds about five liters, Mm -hmm. right? So they're dead by the time that fills. Um, The pelvis can hold four to six liters of blood. So, you know, that pelvis was unstable. It was, you know, um, free moving on palpation. So there's your indication for open book fracture. The pelvic binder was the perfect choice for that. Um, you know, again, really good decisions that everybody is making through this call. Um, the last thing that I want to touch base on is oxygenation with low end title. That's what we had. We had a low end title and everyone goes, oh, well, she's breathing really fast. So she's blowing off all of her CO2 and that's why it's so low. Well, yes. However, end title is also... Uh, a indicator of perfusion status. If you're not perfusing cells, you're not offloading oxygen and you're not onloading CO2, right? So there's no CO2 coming back to the lungs to be able to exit the body. Where do we measure it? Exiting the body. Exiting the body. So if you don't have CO2, what's going to happen? Your end title is going to fall, which is why your respiratory arrest patients, your cardiac arrest patients have end titles of like 12, 10, 8, right? There's no CO2 coming back to that end title. So we have to remember that just because they have a low end title does not, don't relate it always to, oh my God, they're breathing at 40 a minute and that's why. Look at their blood pressure, look at their heart rate and go, they're not perfusing and that's why they have a low end title. Then we can help them perfuse and end title should rise. So that was my last point. Do you guys have anything else? I'm really glad that wasn't my call. Me fucking too. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Me too. Kelsey, do you have any questions? No, I think I'm good. I'm sure I'll think of more later in life, but at the moment I'm okay. Well, that's good. That's Mm -hmm. good. How was your first trip here? Was it fun? Yes, it was. I think I saw like four different types of weather. I almost hit a deer. Um, it was raining, and then it was snowing, and then it was sleet, and then it was sleeting. It was it was interesting. Yep, that sounds <laughs> really like a trip to my house. It's a really nice ride, though. Yep, it is. It, did you pass the goats or the sheep? Whatever Kelsey passes that she's in love with. What do you pass when you come here? Goats or sheep? I pass a sheep farm. That's the sheep. Yeah, I thought it was goats. I'm but. sad I didn't see yeah. that it's dark. <laughs> <laughs> also like, oh, occasionally shit. depend also occasionally sometimes there are cows down in like the woods at the end of a pasture that uh, is true they're not cows they're horses but they're cow patterned yes oh that's cute yep so guys with that uh we will see you on the 23rd if you're a patron make sure if you want us to see our facial expressions and to see no emily cringe oh, please don't. and oh my god you have to see kelly, kelly and Gerard cringe every single time you hear the intro to any show we do. <laughs> the motherfucker has a stroke, and it is hilarious to watch. It's every almost a seizure. single time. It's worthwhile. So become a Patreon. With that, guys, I will say, see you on, what day is it? The 23rd, and donuts. I have to do donuts. Which Christina, is here's your shout-out, bitch. <laughs> I almost forgot. <laughs> I almost forgot. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you'd like more information on the podcast or to send us a call to review, visit medicmaterials.com forward slash podcast. To learn more information, like us on Facebook at Medic Materials EDU 
or watch our weekly instructional videos on the Medic Materials YouTube channel.